right. Smoking so, Balconies. That's Smoking Balconies. there you go. That's the name of your office. Is Smoking, Balconies Smoking Balconies Software. <laughs> Wave the camera. Hello. Let everybody know we're out here. Right. We're out here at the uh, Talking Energy Show, brought to you by Oilfield Tailgate, sponsored by everyone at OilfieldTailgate.com, and of course our benefactor of this podcast studio, the amazing Trace Management engineering and consulting firm uh, oil and gas um, everything so thank you trace management for this space and appreciate my friends coming in here introduce yourself let's go around the room tell me your name and how you got into oil and gas where you grew up you know all the jobs you've had i want to know everything guys all the jobs yeah the the laundry list of i mean you don't have to give me all your jobs i was kidding like paperboy obviously for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, my name is Trace Fout. I'm the CEO and founder of Insight Energy Solutions. Um, I got into oil and gas because I was born in Oklahoma. Kind of couldn't help it. I tried to escape. I, I worked in Seattle. I worked in Manhattan. Had kids. Moved back here. Um, I've held a variety of jobs. I was discovering what I wanted to be when I grew up. I'd say the most interesting one was working at Victoria's Secret in Penn Square Mall. Wow. That was, wow. Uh, that was on a dare. Uh, <laughs> he went and applied. I went and applied, and um, they took to, you. to my surprise, like the manager on duty right then took my application and just immediately goes, "When can you start?" Wow! I was like, uh, "I didn't expect you to take this seriously." But uh, you can't turn that down. Yeah, no, I had to. Interesting <laughs> uh, deal. Uh, yeah, no, I. I so I'm glad you're in oil and gas now. <laughs> um, Jonathan. Uh, my name is Jonathan Jordan. Um, I grew up South Oklahoma City. Um, I graduated from the University of Oklahoma with a journalism degree. And I've been in oil and gas for the last 15 years. So, uh, where did you start out? What was your first job in oil and gas? My first job, I worked for, and you know, that was one of the funny things that I always got made fun of right out of college. Uh, BJ Services before they were Baker Hughes. Um, I was a, a associate frac field supervisor training program. So basically, just a green hat out there swinging a hammer and being made fun of by the guys who'd been there for decades hazing might be a part of our industry but it's for good reason it's, they want to keep you safe completely absolutely yeah, if you don't awesome. get hazed how would you know how to haze the next guy exactly That's continuity fun. you have any story what, what was the what, what was some of the things they haze you about as a green hat in a frack hand um well for and again i think we were talking about this before the show of uh, you're collecting uh frack friends Throughout Dude, the industry, I, uh, I, you, you I surround yourself. I manifest frack friends now. I mean, mm-hmm. we've delivered a lot of uh, fire suppression systems out to frack fleets. So, you know, something about you guys are just the hardest working, most lovable people in the industry and pretty bright for the most part. You, you went you went and had, you had to go and bring oil and gas up out of the ground with pressure. You knew how to blow into the straw so you'd get it to shoot back up. Well, yeah, but, you know, you also have the guys that, especially coming out there in the first month, would let you you know, bang around with a sledgehammer going the wrong way with a nut for 10 minutes, wondering why it's not tightening and connecting, connecting pipe, you know, uh, you know, they did they, expect you to know, left they, they, they did expect that, but you know, I mean, geez, yeah, you were in journalism. I was in journalism <laughs> first guys, like cut me some slack, you, were you know, like, a hey, poem hey guys, what's my important job today? I'm coming out of college and you're going to stand on tack on top of these tanks and uh, you're going to let us know how many feet we pumped down home. Now you have you're you're not the first generation of oil and gas. That's for sure. You have some. Uh, you have I have some, lineage. You have some uh, DNA out there. You know um, that surrounds you. You have good family. Um, my my uncle. Um, he's he's been in it um, for more than thirty years. My dad uh, kind of came full circle. He uh, was in oil and gas, and then became a stockbroker, and then is now back into oil and gas. And uh, so I, I have some good lineage there. 
privateers. I like the privateers. They're a lot of good people. A lot of good people. You know, all your relatives and or animal guests that I know of are uh, leaders. You're leaders. And oil and gas education is uh, uh, vital these days. And that's why we're in here doing this, because what you're doing with Insight, with the why, and we've talked about that why, it's, um, well, why do I do everything that I do? Why haven't I measured this yet? Everything can be measured. Yeah, for sure. That's uh, Jonathan. I've talked about it quite a bit. Uh, one of my favorite quotes from Galileo of uh, talking about, you know, what the earth rotates around fame um, said, measure what's measurable, make measurable what is not so. And it's really kind of the foundation of improving anything. Um, if you've got an F1 car and you don't measure your lap times, how do you know you're making it any better? You don't measure your fuel consumption. You don't measure your oxygen intake. You don't know what the engine's doing. Um, oil companies haven't been subjected to real competitive pressure in a long time um, because everybody needs it, right? Everyone's kind of a captive audience. Like I'll take it for whatever, whether it's four bucks, two bucks, eight bucks, people still need to go to work. So they'll buy it. Um, only sort of recently with, you know, uh, advent of the internet, um, you know, I don't want to talk about too much about international energy policy, uh, but there's much more of a force. Like we saw oil go to negative seven bucks. People pay to take delivery because it was just overflowing. No one knew what was going to happen with all the COVID stuff. Um, and so we're seeing now uh, the capital getting more sophisticated first. And so the guys drilling holes are downstream of the capital available. And so they've got new lists of stuff. You got to know, you got to know what's going on in the formation. You got to know where the water is, where you're getting the water. You just have to know a lot more. It used to be very shoot from the hip. Um, and so until you measure your process in your company, it's very difficult to prove you made it better. Uh, and so a lot of what we're doing is kind of just asking the question, like, what do you do when you roll a truck? Why did you roll a truck? What was on the truck? How does it get billed? How do you know if it got paid? Um, and a lot of that, once you do it, it'll lower your insurance premiums. It'll increase your confidence in your own operations. It'll show you new revenue opportunities that will cut costs. It's just, it's just overall health. If you're running an F1 car, you want all the best instruments measuring everything possible down to the guy driving its blood pressure. You want everything. How long was that light, you know, on in the shop, you know, oh, exactly. over this area without anybody underneath it? Mm -hmm. You know, could that be turned off? Sure. You can it, go into a business on any scale and see what every single person does and their movements and then every single piece of equipment and their movements and what it does. In an, in an ideal, ideal I, I hate to say ideal, but from a sort of a, like a bean counter standpoint, yes, ideally you want everything like that. Um, like you're saying, that, a lot of it's just inconsequential. So that factory light was on a workbench that nobody used. Okay. It cost you 90 bucks a quarter. It's not even worth talking about. As soon as two executives have a conversation about that light, the company lost even more money. Yeah. Um, and so you have to be intelligent about what the software grows less expensive mm -hmm. and the gadgets to measure that become less expensive. You can definitely. go after even those tiniest of things. Definitely. Definitely. Like we generally find, uh, it's just such low hanging fruit. Yeah. You start talking to a company that's, uh, you know, they're, if they're doing nine figures of revenue, they're going to have six figure problems all over the place. Yeah. So you don't need to talk about the three figure problems because there's something way more media and interesting that can be directly solved in the next few quarters that's going to show up on the revenue. Do you think that might be, you know, something that we need to turn up in and go, I mean, go back to like the Dave Ramsey kind of thing, like rice and beans <laughs> and go, you know, but like, you know, whenever he goes after debt, he's like, you wipe out the smallest one first and then the next one, sure. the next one. Cause our industry is really good at like, I'm going to step over that dollar so I can go get that hundred or I'm going to step over that hundred to get that thousand right. or that thousand to get the million or hundred, you know, like we go, like, eh, that's not important. That's not important. And that's but one of the, it adds up. And that's one of the things that we talk about constantly is, um, especially with our focus into the oil and gas space, right? Um, capitalistic world, 
oil and gas in that industry is one of the last like archaic versions of technology, right? I mean, it's you've gone one way for so long and shooting from the hip, right? And you're on a collision course with technology. And one thing that I like to say, especially from our guys from a software engineering standpoint, is eventually they have to run into the petroleum engineering guys, right? You have to make things more efficient. You have to find if your company, you know, is hemorrhaging revenues because again you're stepping over that dollar to get to the hundred you're stepping over the hundred to get to the thousand right if your company's a damn okay and it's hemorrhaging revenue okay which big hole can we go plug first let's go find out how to fix this make it more efficient and then move on from there and make those processes especially whenever it comes to revenue standpoint because we're feasting famine in oil and gas um you know i i used to you know two years ago i was wearing a hat that said you know make oil uh, barrel oil, $80 barrel again, right? So um, it's one of those where it's an ever-changing industry, but you have to evolve. And that's one thing I think that oil and gas hasn't done is uh, evolved technologically. I mean, of course, you got the drillers. I mean, you, you have automated drilling and horizontal and steering. and But, okay, there's a lot of processes that go in oh after you drill God. that hole. And we go straight to the service side. And that's just from personal experience. It's There's so many moving parts. But those moving parts, do you know what every moving part does and how much is it costing you? Have you ever, what's, so say one of of your bigger customers, what's the most processes you've measured or been able to integrate into, you know, your software? Sure. Um, Basically. uh, I mean, you're talking inventory, you're talking HR, you're talking, you know, like we talked about the lighting, like what's the most that anybody's ever like let you in and say, measure this. Oh, like we've been pretty far up the skirt as it were. Um, that's a good term down to, uh, like even instrumenting the manufacturing process. So all the way down to this guy needs to torque these six nuts on this piece of equipment to this many foot pounds, having three different camera angles on his workbench, why he's doing it, recording that for posterity with the serial number. It's going in the ERP system. We know which warehouse it's in, how many miles are on it as it were, if it's refurbed the last time it went out, like we, we got the bench ratings. We know how much uh, pressure it can apply. We know. Uh, what the uh, lift per stage is on that. We know all the pump coefficients, et cetera. And all of that is recorded. So that thing blows up in the field three years later. You can pull it out of the hole. You can basically do an autopsy on it, figure out what happened to it, go back and look at the assembly footage and find where in the supply chain something went wrong. Where nothing went wrong. It was just yeah, an outside. Maybe it's just, no, yeah. no one's at fault. This is a, you know, a, um, just a happening. Well, something's always at fault. You just may not want to be a jerk about it, right? Like maybe Todd didn't torque it the right way. Okay. Then Todd's not fired. He's great, but we need to like ramp up the training around how important this is. Oh, actually uh, got or, to seismicity or weather mm-hmm, you know, sure. whatever, or just H2S in the field. Yeah. Or maybe we need to look at a new washer vendor because yeah. what they're sending us isn't rated right for right. the acid we encounter in North Dakota, whatever. Uh, but having all of that is just deciding that this is valuable info. When an engineer is assembling a product of ours, that shouldn't just be in isolation. Like it shouldn't just sort of pass the inspected by number seven. We have every bit of which part, where we got it from, who we bought the washer from, what truck it was on, how it ended up in that pump or that intake or that seal, whatever. Um, and so you can get really detailed in there. And a lot of that adds cost, but it aids in training. It, it helps understanding what you built. It lowers your insurance rates because you can show how it was put together and you have safety and testing steps for every piece of assembly. Or now, guys, mm. the big boy on the block, ESG, Oof. it brings in investors. Very much so. It provides access to capital. What do I want to find out? I mean, the, I, I was... I was an opponent, if you would will, of ESG because I thought everybody was going to lean more on the environment side. But then now as I get into it, 
the safety mm. and the governance. Well, the governance isn't so much about, you know, as much as, you know, we all thought it was going to be the social stuff. It was, it's investors going, Hey, oil and gas, we, we know you're a good investment, but don't burn through our dollars sure. without transparency anymore. Well, and look at the industry now. I mean, any MSA that has to go out now has to have ESG, ESG compliance, right? You have to have it. Yeah. Investors uh, want to invest in us, but they want, I, I don't want to like, that didn't work out. Sorry about your luck. You don't have any more money. It didn't turn out as we thought. Uh, yeah, they, I'm not coming back to your industry or I am with uh, uh, new parameters around how this will go in the future. I also think that's kind of the guidelines, right, for private equity now is, okay, this is <laughs> yeah. more of an, assur- an assurance yeah. that we have that we need to focus so on I the get it. I get it. Now now, uh, now we're going to partner with ESG. And really, we were always ESG all along for the most part in the fact that I don't want to waste money. I just don't have the, I don't have the tools until now with well, your capabilities. Again, I mean, to, to my point, they're making you measure stuff you didn't used to measure. Couldn't. So, we didn't have the ability. Exactly. So now I can uh, measure company A versus company B and be like, well, this is more investable. I believe my more strongly my dollars are going to come back. Um, and you can't improve the process without measuring something. So ESG is capital's way of measuring what we're doing with these holes in the ground. But that makes more of a secure oil and gas industry for America, which makes us, you know, more free, you know, have more security for our energy, you know, and protect ourselves. Like you said, we don't want to talk too much about the rest of the world and energy policy, but we can protect what we have here within our own borders to be able to provide what we need plus the rest of the world and their increasing needs because of world policy and right. world politics. And, well, and, I, and I think that, too, especially coming from a technology side, and this is one of the reasons that you know I joined Insight, is the capabilities of technology now for oil and gas are continuing to grow, right? But um, we were at a um, – was it a panel? I believe it was a panel oh, with right. different representatives. Petroleum yeah, Petroleum Alliance. Um, and one of the representatives, and I won't mention his name, but – was literally talking about the problem that the our government is sanctioning all right oil and gas and energy i mean we're sanctioning ourselves right so we have to figure a way whether it's technology and being esg compliant and going through that of we have to be sustainable we have to be efficient and if this is the way that we're going to measure then this is the way we have to go but technology is the new way of getting there yeah the uh the, and, I, and I said this before, you know, there's a book out there right now from uh, Alex Epstein, Fossil Future, which uh, on and on again shows, you know, just the fingers of how far out our energy uh, reaches. And within that is the ESG and what we all know is without that investment, you know, we're relying on solely production of the dollars that produces. So if that is the case, then it's got to be ever more, you know, creatively utilized in those technologies, the software, which will mm-hmm. make us efficient down the road and build in what we're, we're going to future proof our industry with what you're doing. Oh, definitely. I mean, just imagine some other country, right. Um, wasn't sanctioning itself and went full tilt R and D and use like 11% of their GDP in just oil and gas research. Um, it would not take them long to catch up to our production ability. Like it just, most companies don't do it. They don't have access to the resources. They don't have access to the capital to try. They don't have access to the fields. Um, so we have a very sophisticated capital market. It's very easy with a good idea to go just get $10 million to do something. Is it? it <laughs> it's shockingly easy if wow. it's actually a good idea. Um, but uh, you just don't have that opportunity somewhere else, right? You can't, like, I live in um, 
well, I don't want to throw out any examples, yeah, but, but you know, if I, if I grew up in Belgium and I want to revolutionize drilling technology, like my options are very limited. I have to get educated there, convince somebody else in another country to give me, I'm definitely not going to attract New York capital to my Belgian mining situation. It's just very unlikely to happen. So is that what attracts you most to oil and gas? You think is just like, just how vital this is. It's it's critical. It's it's energy independence. Like if, if you need someone else to heat your house in the winter and keep your kids warm, you're going to do what they say. And it's just, it's just so American. Like I dug a hole in my yard and now I got a Rolls Royce, man. Like it's, (laughs) you know, it's just very American. It's uh and it all started that way, right? You know, Jed Clampett shot at some varmint, right? Oh, that's and we all know song. the story. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's. We hope that there's young people watching, and we're doing some <laughs> right. energy education here, and they may not know about the Beverly Hillbillies okay. at all. All right. Well, but they're obviously a true story. Of course, that's a <laughs> well, true and, story. But most, again, we, we were actually talking about this the other day. But I mean, that's one of the things with oil and gas too is that age gap. There's a 15 year age gap in between. Right, it's uh, we've got 40, 45 and below, and then sixty plus, and so you're seeing that age gap. But you have the old guard, as it will, you know, they're exiting. Um, it's it's time to go. Okay, you know, twenty twenty in with COVID, and all, okay, that was that was the last bust I can take. I'm I'm done. I'm cashing in my chips. Time to go. It's moving on. It's uh, you know acquisitions and mergers. And that's one of those where um, I really focus whenever I'm asking questions of these software engineers is the what if questions, right? If, okay, well, what if I needed this uh, done? And I'll give you a perfect example just for, you know, personal experience from uh, a chemical service side. Uh, we were joking a little bit before we started this podcast about, you know, I picked a great time to start a chemical service company early or mid-2019. Perfect time. Perfect time. Perfect time. And then we go straight to, uh, you know, negative and the wells are shut in, nobody's ordering anything anymore. And it's one of those, okay, well, how can I do that transition? And I think you're getting a lot of that now with um, companies that are merging and acquire. They want to get more vertically integrated. So we're going to, okay, we're going to add a service company. We're going to add a wireline. We're going to add a mud company. I mean, it just the the pieces of moving around to try and fit the puzzle of what they want for vertically vertical integration. But do they know the actual cost? Because the service company that you may purchase has a completely different software system of what you're invoicing, right? Of how you do inventory, of how you do emails, right? Some people, whether it's Google Docs or Dropbox or whatever it is, you got to figure out the actual cost in that. And a lot of people, you know, one of the things, you know, some of the major players that he dealt with before he brought me in, I was just like, well, God, I know so many mom and pop. When I say mom and pop, I mean, it could be from 10 million to 100 million. I still consider it in that mom and pop range, right? Oh. Of do they have a CTO? All right. Cause you can't no. tell me, you can't tell me, you can't tell me. It's like, no. well, I mean, I have an, I, we have an IT department. Okay. When you say IT department, I, we better tell people, we might as well go ahead and let chief them know. technology <laughs> officer. <laughs> I mean, there you go. They right. have any, they have not, I mean, my company has not named, you know, CTO and I'm like the, right. Hey Matt, restart the, you right. know, the Wi-Fi router. I'm the CTO. That's it. And that's the, that's the common conception of what that is, right? Is that IT is like the guys who make sure you can print yeah. and that you're, you have antivirus on your laptop. Um, and it's, it's very different from say like an East or West coast, like venture backed CTO who is in like, basically that's what you're selling. Like the software is the value prop of the company. A uh, person's more like the chief revenue or the chief product officer. Most the of these board. buildings that house the, um, oil and gas companies, I mean, essentially if we really break it down, I mean, yes, they pull resources out of the ground, but they're kind of a IT software company. Yeah, and a lot, of, especially the ones dealing with land and title and yeah. uh, 
petroleum engineering uh, trying to figure out kind of uh, what the roll-up for the whole play is. Like we're about to go buy half of New Mexico, and here's why, and here's where we're going to drill. And assembling all of that is very much... Uh, Engineers are smart, and they have amazing smart tools now in efficiencies like yours where everybody in there has an amazing uh, software that they're using. I would say it's uh, it's kind of Tower of Babel a little bit. There's lots of amazing little tools, and none of them can understand each other. Oh, uh, yeah, integration mm-hmm. of S S A. Yeah. So, you, you what? So, what are some of the? Not, maybe not your competitors. You, you know, you're in a neat, unique space. Sure. But, you know, what's some of the bigger competitors versus some of the small ones that you you know can uh, shape the difference? Um, what's the big one out there that people like? I don't need you know this software. Maybe. Um, SAP, yeah, SAP is definitely like the biggest dog. I think the Oracle. Like we we helped a company out of Tulsa. They were making um, ESPs, submersible pumps. Okay, um, and I started working with them in 2014, just building some really basic field accounting tools to just help them remember to charge customers for what their techs were doing in the field. Um, the revenue growth right there was immediate, almost 20 percent quarter over quarter, just because just because guys weren't forgetting they to were put just it on the throwing bill. money away. A hundred percent, just giving stuff away for free. And I bet every service company is doing some form of this. They do. Um, and so we built stuff and this is using 2014 tech, which sounds modern, but like by today's standards, I mean, that's eight years ago. It was very different. Um, the iPhone was two years old or no, sorry, this is after that. Um, but getting anything to work offline, you've got these guys and now they're out in the field somewhere. There's no Wi-Fi, So it has to work offline. It has to be able to get back to the hotel room, upload what they did. And then it has to settle an SAP. So the long story there, we worked with a small service company doing a few hundred million in revenue, small, quote unquote, right? Um, we helped build out their field billing. When they got bought by a major in 2017 for half a billion dollars, they said, hey, you know, this software is better than what we're using. This is a billion dollar multinational. Um, hey, this little company in Tulsa is doing it right. And so they start asking us to extend it and move it to other pieces and start uh, integrating it with SAP. And so if you've got a large company with any sort of supply chain or manufacturing, um, you're, there's a couple players on the block. You get you know, Oracle, Microsoft have products. Um, SAP is definitely the biggest dog. But if you've got a big company, it might take you three years and $400 million to fully implement SAP. You're, you know, all of your employees that you've spent all this money on the software, all the training and integration that you already spent and now these companies are merging mm-hmm. i mean it's mind-bending to think about how much money is in accounted for just in that software well, we build their m&a budget for three years after the acquisition so um like yep it's done we bought them like not really not uh, really. because their day-to-day operations are not integrated with how and this is a public company they have to make sec filings based on the revenue from this random software from tulsa and so this becomes a very like chop chop boys let's make this work um, and so you have to be adaptable. You have to understand it's like a Rosetta stone. I have to understand the big corp and what they need and what the old company did. And you have to bridge those things in a timely manner in a way that you would sign the paperwork to the IRS, um, to the SEC. Well, and then back to the nitty gritty of the non-public companies, right? The service ones who've been around for 30 or 40 years that weren't going to go public and, you know, all of them who are still servicing and they've been through the the ups and the downs and the busts and feast and famine of, okay, well, how do we compete? with some of these majors that are acquiring these other companies? How do we keep ourselves competitive? Or if you've started your company to hopefully get bought someday Mm -hmm. and you're thinking that far ahead. And if I, if I start using right from the get go and is that your favorite place to come into a company is like, Hey, before you really get too big, let me help you out. But you can go and think about, well, I'm future proofing my company to 
either succeed when a lot of us don't even plan on success, right? Invest in yourself and, and plan on success. Well, and it's that scalability, right? Scalability. I mean, even even from, you know, you had all of these during COVID, right? You had all these software companies that were coming out and IPOing for these big numbers. And I got the next best way of here's the platform we're going to use. And uh, the one thing that I know that you don't like to talk about in this is like everybody has a new dashboard for something, right? Like here's what we're going to do. You get a user login for a dashboard and this is how much easier it's going to make. The question is, especially from the oil and gas side, right? You have the mergers and acquisition. You have to figure out that gap analysis of, okay, if I'm going to go out and acquire a company and I'm going to spend, let's say, $100 million, is that the actual figure? Because you're still going to have to go back and retrain. Let's say you buy a service company. Okay, well, what about Tom or Bob who's out in the field who've been there for 15 years that still aren't going to retire for another 15 Right. Well, they're training gonna, purposes. They're going to actively resist whatever the new corp tells them to do. Exactly. But you, you're, hey, you're just adding. Simplify. I mean, yeah, simplify is adding a gadget to everything he does, so his process isn't slowed down. Sure. He can move at the same speed he always has, but everything around him works differently. Right, and that, that can slow them down. I mean, like this, this uh, sort of corporate mandate. Thou shalt, when you leave the warehouse with a truck now, thou shalt do these five things, do these eight things, sign the logbook, put your thumbprint on this. So much. It's too much. It it adds quite a bit. And so you, um, we found a lot of success in just talking to the actual people that are going to use it, Uh, not building it for this pie in the sky design. I'm a huge fan of low tech. It's lower cost. I would rather you text with some field equipment rather than log into some mobile app to try to mess with it. Just save that pump in your phone as this pump name. And now you can text it and be like, what's up, bro? And it can text you back what it's almost doing. like a Slack for yeah, basically Slack for my wells. I just want to talk Slack to for my wells. I'm talking to my wells. Yep. And you say like, Why Hey, not? how about next Tuesday? You send me like what the downhole pressure report for the last week has been. Just ask wow. for it. Send it to me. And now you're not arguing about what color it is. Should that button be on the left? Should it be on the like, <laughs> it just doesn't matter. Just text. And you can get that across to guys because basically anybody can understand that. Uh, there's no new interface to learn. There's no design documents. There's none of that. I want to come into this podcast studio and go insight. Turn on all my lights in my podcast. Studio. <laughs> okay, we can and, definitely. And do it's that. just me. <laughs> and <laughs> insight, make it work and sound good. It's a, the beauty of what we do, right? It's a, it's exceptionally boring when you get down in the weeds. But what? Oh yeah, I'm not. Doing? I'm not going to write code. That's you. Oh, you don't need to. Um, That's not me either. Yeah. And that was one of the things whenever I came in, I go, okay, listen, you guys are working at s- such a high level. I go, you got to bring this down. You got to help me out because I came from the service side. I came from the field side of this. If you tell me that Tom, who's the bumper, who's running around, doesn't have to thief a well and he can just tell you exactly what the levels are at, easy. It's off his plate. That makes it easy. If he can, you know, I dealt with the what if, right? That was one of the things that before I came on to Insight that I kept, and I bugged the crap out of him. I mean, now he's sat in his office. He's trying to code and get stuff done and he's talking to his engineers. I have no idea what they're talking about, but I, Hey, what if, can we do this, this, yeah, Yeah. really? There's no, there's no one, you know, and one of the, and one of the examples, especially, I mean, we look now and one of the big things, right, is supply chain issues. Okay. So chips are terrifying, you know? Oh yeah. Taiwan. Are we kidding me? Like if you are not paying attention, the world needs chips. Oh yeah. Uh, if, if anybody doesn't like, don't mess with anything to stop our chips. Yeah, but they also need robots. But my we, question is, is, how long does it take to get this? If you only have three of these and you sell all three in a week, 
How am what I has gonna, been notified to let you know? How am I going to order chi- Chinese drill bits online if I don't have chips to use my computer? So it doesn't oh, yeah. matter. All those are coming <laughs> over from China. I need chips. I need software engineers. I don't want to have to like write. Man, my wrist it gets tired. And where do you get the ink from? From China <laughs> pens. See, I need chips to order those ink pens with my logo on That's it. Right. It all goes back to oil and gas and chips. Well, the supply chain cheese is supply chain piece is something that really only the biggest uh the biggest companies really have everyone else is managing it in dropbox when was the last time we ordered those bits like let me go look in here in my email yeah. and okay it was in may and we ordered this many we're like well i think it should be more like why they don't know just feel like it uh maybe they'll run a few reports based on something but nothing's sitting there warning them six weeks into the quarter you're selling 50 percent more of these than you were at this point last quarter can you Maybe go grab my data out of, so say we've been running, you know, say I'm a small company, I've been doing, you know, QuickBooks mm-hmm. and I've been doing their inventory and their work orders. Mm-hmm. You know, can you grab all that and, and throw it into something new or collaborate with Definitely. it? Um, some of it's a little bit like a forensic crime scene investigation kind of, it's putting sure. together, okay, well your purchase orders look like this and they show up at this rate and we'll put them into this new system and we'll start modeling and now... You know, your back office person's got this new form they're going to fill out when they're doing the PO so that they simultaneously go into your prediction engine. They also go into QuickBooks. They also go off to something else that your ESG score or whatever. Uh, But it's what I was going to say about this is why it's very boring to do it. My engineers are good at it. Uh, And it's not boring to them. They're finding new ways to integrate it all the time. they, They can't do anything really novel. Like different, you know, AI people would maybe argue with me that they can write symphonies and stuff, but they're not really writing new symphonies as much as, um, kind of making like a macaroni salad out of other symphonies they've heard. Right. So you can mishmash other, like I can go train it on, or every Wikipedia article. I've seen them make frittatas. Yeah, saying. sure. <laughs> but it, it's more like a, a human defines the recipe. Okay. And then the computer can make 10,000 of them. I, here's my strawberry muffin recipe. Now make 100,000 of those. Give me every variable and then let's go. go. For that. And then somebody, see, that's where you need AI to go. Okay. Now there's another piece that goes, I just made you 10,000 different recipes in 10,000 ways. Sure. I need somebody to go, I need one of those computers to go taste all those real quick. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like licorice and salt is the meat ingredients, probably <laughs> not correlated with success. Yeah, you can throw, yeah. So, I mean, the, the it's really endless what you can do now. Well, there's just, it's, I've always been surprised. Like, I'll give you a brief example here. I was working for uh, uh, an advertising company back in New York, maybe like 2012. Um, we were scanning all the commercial emails that people send out. So we had this robot that would go sign up for Old Navy, Eddie Bauer, Toyota, whatever, and get on all their promotional lists. Whoa. And we found out very quickly is like sophisticated brands like Eddie Bauer specifically is not selling hoodies in Florida, right? Like it, it's very seasonal and they're very sophisticated in where they're marketing what. So you might get a promo code to save money on winter wear, but only if you're like north of the Mason Dixon kind of thing. So we started getting all these emails, tens of thousands of them a day um, and putting them in there. And so we were tasked with which companies are offering free shipping. We'd be like, okay, well, engineers think, well, we should probably just like search the text of the email for free shipping. So without boring the hell out of everyone, we set up a, uh, uh, what's called a Bayesian classifier. And so we went in and we had humans find us 1000 emails that they thought were free shipping and 1000 emails that weren't free shipping. And then we let the computer sort through a few hundred other thousand based on those parameters. And it starts spitting back all these ones like this one has free shipping. This one has free shipping. And we couldn't figure out how it knew that. It's like, because sometimes they would write free shipping like in a graphic wow. in cursive on diagonal on top of some lady wearing this fleece or something like that. Wow. Right? And it wouldn't be in the message. And it turned out what the computer came up with is um, if the text in the footer mentions Puerto Rico, there's like a 99.8% chance that free shipping's involved. 
and they carved out they carved out <laughs> Puerto Rico. So no human would ever sit there and be like, how would you tell if a company's offering free shipping? You would say stuff like search for free shipping and it's no, you search for Puerto Rico. So I'm just fleshing this out. So night fire specialists, we have a new gadget that we want to put in every single tank in the world that could possibly get struck by lightning and burned down because it has hydrocarbons being yeah. stored in it. You know, whether it's a water tank with a little bit or a full blown, you know, oil tank, mm. but whatever it is. So we have the gadget that we know we can put out a fire now. It's a fire tab. It's simple mm. and it works. And it, and it sprays off our fire foam into the tank and covers and it. Up. It doesn't need the internet to figure this out that there's a fire. No, it just happens right. man- manually. You know, mm-hmm. future proof it. Maybe we can do some automation, and all that on that particular piece of equipment. Because right now it's just you know manual. Boom, mm-hmm. there's foam on it. But as a marketing and business development and sales guy and you know vice president of this company. How do I find all the tanks in the world? And I need your company to go and find out, well, here's how many because we went to, and I want to know, you know, who the operator of them is Mm -hmm. and who, you know, and where they're at and what they're storing. I mean, and the volumes and the size of the tank and, oh, wait a minute. I need to show the value to the customer. Like, well, if this tank, this tank, and this tank burned down, uh, you spent... You know, you spent, a, you know, maybe $1,500 per tank on our piece, mm-hmm. but here's the, here's the total cost of you getting, you know, that day it burned down. Yeah. Total loss. Total loss. You know, here's your total loss cost. And, and, you know, just, you know, people doing people things. I've asked people questions in here, stuff like that. So you'll probably do that for me for free, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we found out like there's roughly a million wells online mm-hmm. that are being recorded. They're producing oil and gas, you know, just for, you know, uh, enough people who are asking me. That that I, that I, yeah, yeah, that we know of. Yeah, but then, uh, you know, for the environment, the ESG side, and for people now delving into orphan wells, you know, can, you know, software like this be tasked with going to find the true number of orphan wells out mm-hmm. there? You know, that right now there's probably 8 million that, you know, people can kind of find pretty quickly. But, you know, is it three or four times that? Sure. You know, sure. And and how many really need to be plugged and abandoned or with the new technologies available? You know, can you f- have the software come up with ways to go, you know what? This may be a plug and abandonment candidate to a major operator, but really we could sell this and somebody... You know, with a, a small operator, you know, it's like, Mar- you know, Marshall Hall was in here and he buys wells that were producing three barrels to him. Like, that's a gold mine. I don't want to, I don't want to plug that. I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to double that. I'll, I'll make six barrels a day. I'll have three of those and I have enough money for me. Right. Mm-hmm. So I've got mailbox money. I've, I, if I go out and do my own pumping, you know, get my own truck to haul off water, yada, yada, yada. There's somebody that's pretty happy life or they're an operator and that's all they do. And that's one of the deals too, especially with the integration for technology with service companies, right? I mean, you, you have multiple service companies that provide multiple service, whether upstream, midstream, downstream. And we talked a little bit about the technology of, you know, uh, drillers, they have a right hole, but there's a whole bunch of different services that come through that. But the integration through that is going back to what we said. Okay, are we going to step over that dollar to get to the hundred? Are we going to take that hundred to get to the thousand? Um, I think it's also to the integration of collecting those data points, right? And finding out exactly the what ifs. And that was one of the exciting things whenever um, I came into Insight is the what ifs. 
is going back to, okay, coming in, what if I did this? Can we do this? Can I put a geofence around my warehouse so that Tom, whenever he goes out, that he doesn't forget anything and an alarm goes off? And we go back to, you know, production can be shut down for the simplest thing of we forgot a 15-cent O-ring, right? It's it's making sure that you have the redundancies to stop the revenue of bleeding, right? Well, it's just, do you even know how your company makes money? And most people would be like, yeah, totally. No, like, I, no, no, no. Every detail of exactly detail. how you make money. No, you don't. And you'll have a bender. You'll be sick one day. Like you will, you will save money because you told the software how it works. Even if it's kind of wrong, you can always change it later. But it's just the specificity. Most people like operating up here. That's oh, what I don't. I don't want to leave any money on the table. As a you know, as a entrepreneur, you know, more and more and more entrepreneurs. Uh, obviously, our industry has always been full of them. But. Sure. Man, if I'm making the money we're making now, guys, what if we didn't bleed any money? Right. Zero money bled. Or am I actually making three times what we've been making now? I mean, how much waste have we had? What was the company we were talking to found 350 million new revenue with no new drilling just by going back over the existing Oh, we went to uh, the Petroleum Alliance and uh, was listening uh, for Maverick. They yeah. bought Four Point and they didn't, they found. Was three hundred three hundred fifty million three hundred and fifty million without dr- with any no, new production, no new drilling, just going back over with all the assets they actually. But burned. they also, oh my goodness. But one thing that they had mentioned in that too is they got their they paid for that software. Yeah. Well, yeah, they collectively went. Everybody contact software works. Not only will they pay for they that software will be paid for itself by the efficiencies it creates for your company. And the I mean, how about the turnover rate that your company won't see because people now. Just that feeling of efficiency makes people happier at work, right? And people making more money. But also, we talked about it's R&D. So if they call you and they invest in your software to get them efficient, all that is a tax write-off. Try to make it as simple as possible. If you have some business process that makes you revenue and it involves email, Dropbox, and spreadsheets, none of those things should be involved. You should basically write yeah. out the process. You can use SMS. You can use web forms. You can do offline stuff. Uh, but it's very likely going to save you on your tax bill. It's going to be a capital expenditure you can depreciate. Ask your accountant. Um, but like to put it in very simplistic terms, you take the money you would have given the IRS, and we're going to help your bottom line or your top line. He's he's given me the greatest sales pitch ever whenever I go out and talk to potential clients. Yeah. Is, I, I, would you like free I, software that makes you more money? Right. Well, it's or that, you okay, just, what, is that what, your I was going to ask you, you know, business to business guy, I was like, so what's your what's your uh, elevator pitch, you know? Mine is is go ask your accountant what you're going to pay to the IRS this quarter. That's your software budget. That's, that's whatever you're going to pay to the IRS this quarter. All right, give it to us rather than the IRS, and let us help develop some new software or technology for your company that's eventually going to generate revenue. Because the last time I checked, the IRS is not in it to make anybody money. No, they're not going to help you. They're not going to help you at all. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's also going to make you more attractive to an acquirer mm. because you actually know you're measuring your company. You know what works and what doesn't, and your supply chain's ironed out. Your business process is ironed out. Your, or if you want to go buy everybody else and you're not acquired, you'll, sure. you can yeah. go get capital. You've got a together. better process. Yeah. You can bend them to your process and be like, well, we're going to buy you because you still use Dropbox and spreadsheets, and your front desk person is writing hand tickets, you know, like handwriting tickets. Well, the perfect example was the, you know, submersible pump company out of Tulsa that we were talking about earlier. I mean, you know, 20% immediately quarter over quarter. That looks pretty enticing. Well, turns out it was enticing. When you guys come to my office and see what I do, will you not get on to me for using uh, somehow I've integrated GroupMe and Wix? <laughs> I, I won't. He will. I won't. He will. 
No, it's, it's it's a little like cyberpunk, right? Like if I'm you, so like I like what's like I'm so cheap. Like I, what's the freest software available stuff that I can just like crush together? So there's kind of the the comparison of whenever I'm talking to potential clients, right? Is getting them to understand that the initial money, which again, if they're not falling from right, hey, what are you paying the IRS this quarter? All right, give it to me and let me help you develop something. It's okay. Let's look within your budget to look past what the initial cost is, right? Is okay. If I spend X now, how much is it going to save me in the next five years? All right. If you're, if you're vertically integrating your company to go out and your ultimate goal is to go out and sell your company, build a business, go out, sell it, come back again, wait, you know, go hang out on the beach and wait for your non-compete and go start another one and do that again. What's that number, right? To see what it could be in five years or how much it's going to save you and make you that more attractable. I, w- I wonder sometimes if our industry is even driven by those numbers and our guts. I think we're just like driven by the sheer want to, you know, see some kind of success in our industry. I think it's a, I think it's a lot more want. Just coming from Oklahoma, I think it's a lot more want to. Yeah, and I, that, want, that, I want to do something impressive to that, myself. I look at myself in the mirror each day, and I'm like, "What did we just accomplish? Right. You know? Did I go out personally and put out a fire?" You know, and get to go on an emergency contribute call. somewhere. You yeah. know, did I get to save one life? But that's know, what you got to love about this industry, right? I mean, what's the more American thing that you can do, right? It's like go ahead and tell, go ahead and tell me I can't do something. Yeah. let me show you I can. I mean, money, and you get to the maturity level that we're at, and the wisdom level we're at, and the want of you know education. And I see all these young green hats, and I get goosebumps and sentimental remember and they can bring a tear to my eye just watching these kids that sure. come up and i'm like you are a candle wick waiting to happen you have covered in hydrocarbons like i can't wait to put fire suppression out here just so i can feel a little bit better and sleep at night when i flip open that light and i'm like where did my energy come from that kid out there that is going to be saved right well, and look when we first got into the i mean and whether it was no in, idea whether it's in software or you know cutting our teeth in oil and gas it's it's always evolving it's like okay what am i going to learn today yeah. Because that's one thing with this industry, and I always ask, I keep asking questions because it's always evolving, right? And uh, I think that that's one of the things, especially with the age gap that we were talking about, right? You have the young young guard coming in, the old guard going out, right? Uh, one of the things, um, whenever I was talking to some members for YPE, right, was uh, what's some of your what's some of your advice? And again, I'm almost forty, so I'm still considered, I guess, a young professional in energy. Um, I don't know is the best answer, right? That's that's the one thing I continue to is whenever I came in and before I joined Insight and he was explaining, I gave him. The, I have no idea what you're talking about. Please explain this to me, because you get a lot. You get a lot of people who, especially with oil and gas and acquisitions and mergers, and you know they go off on the tent. Just say I don't know. Yeah. All right. I'm What's going two, on within your business? Old. Like you know every detail. Absolutely. I say I don't know. And, and let's figure out, it out and let's find out more. Out. Say, I don't out. know. I'd love to hear what you. I'd love, what, to, I'd love to hear exactly. what you do. That's why. I mean, this is my low key way into everybody's business is because I want to be. I want to be in the know of every single thing that is happening on gas, from the guy who has the money investing to the software who runs it, so that you know somehow, some way. We bring in the next generation. So the green hat that was helping you. Yeah. And more and more and more, yep. what you're doing is going to replace what somebody swing a hammer does. We we all talk about this, you know, mass exodus of people, but the next group coming in, we need we need 
a huge body count, but it's all engine it's software engineers and techs and people that use data. And there's certain positions that are going to be obsolete, but it's also we're going to need tech, more people. But with technology, all right, those jobs are going to be replaced by other ones and it's all going to be again it's a collision course of what i have told him you know software engineers and petroleum engineers everybody in between there's a place if if i replace what you did swinging a hammer right with a a robot i'm gonna need five people right to design and design and create that robot and keep it maintained you know i might need 20 people really at the end of the day so we're going to need more and more and more people in oil and gas not less a lot of people make the argument, right? Like we don't have any chimney sweeps or like horse-drawn buggy drivers anymore, right? Um, and why it may have been sad if your whole career was being a buggy driver at the point. Like the general idea is that that's not worthwhile for human calories to be expended on anymore. So do something else that is worthwhile. We don't like, chew as we don't have to chew our food as much anymore because we developed oil and gas to cook our food, yeah. <laughs> and that led to more calories for the human body and better proteins, so that we have time to think with our brains. Sure. And come up with cool software. I mean, that's just the evolution of a chimpanzee spends how much of his day chewing well, leaves. To, to improve to, to improve is to change. You cannot improve without changing. You're not going to magically get better just doing what you're already doing. So you have to measure what you're doing. Decide that's not right. We should do this other thing. Like we kind of if you're not, this, somebody else will. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And someone else is doing it. I mean, like the, I think one of the healthiest mentalities as you're working on this stuff is to think there's somebody else like me. Some you know, building something like what I'm doing right no now. No one else does it, what Insight does. Sorry. Yeah. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it right here. <laughs> Insight. Come on. But, you know. Inciting a revolution somebody, of innovation in our industry that's going to, you know, I mean, right here. We'll put that on the website. Yeah. Definitely. But somebody's going to do it if you don't do it. You can't just be like, well, we do it in Dropbox. LOL. Hope it goes on forever. It won't. It definitely won't. Like, I know people who are trying to kill your business every day, and they're in the Stanford Computer Science Department. Like, they want your job gone. Because then they get to go to General Atlantic or some gigantic capital source and say, look, I can get rid of 80% of their labor force. And they're like, oh, sweet. Who do I write the check to? And so they are actively trying to kill what we do here. So if you don't catch up and become attractive to them or at least competent to them, you're not a threat. You're just a a roll-up target. Wow. I, I love all this. Well, oil and gas is uh, forever grateful to uh, smarter people than uh, we deserve. Well, <laughs> I don't think it, it's just not so much smarter. It's just kind of threat assessment. Like if you're running your military still on some Greek tactics, right? And now we've got man portable anti-tank weaponry and like full satellite coverage. Like I do think that more of our equipment needs some, you know, cool turrets on it. You know, oh, I agree. Our, yeah, we, we should definitely incorporate more oil and gas and military tech together. I am a... I'm really scared of military tech, but <laughs> you've probably deep dive more than I have. You know, I, I want very scared. I, I haven't gone down that rabbit hole yet, but yeah. I mean, it, first of all, they're going to develop stuff that we can probably, you know, it, oil and gas is very good at coming up with neat stuff that the rest of the world probably uses now, like besides hydrocarbons. Sure. But so military also does the same thing. We're Definitely. all beneficial. We all benefit from GPS. And mm-hmm. whatnot, so Facebook. Yeah, well, okay, maybe maybe Facebook, but I, I like GPS. Out in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night, I'm finding that well site. Oh, very cool. And and now you know how to track assets sure. know, because yeah. of you know that. Oh, 100%. One of the, one of, whenever I came on, one of his uh, software software engineers, uh, you know, in, innovate through technology or get destroyed by it. Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's basically, it. and you know, I don't, not all Terminator here, but I mean, <laughs> well, it's just, the, it's the games up, right? If everyone's got muskets and you invent 
an Uzi, right? Like how long can you get along with saying like, we don't need those. We still, we have a spree de corps and we have better uniforms. We have better training. We have you, e, well, we have EFRAC now. Like eventually, yeah. like we somebody have, with zero training in an Uzi is going to wipe out 20 musket men. Like no problem. Now they we know to, we now know to how to put more propping in the hole and we're better mud systems. Yeah, and, sure. Well, I mean, part, our truck, our trucking routes all across the country, you know, just to get parts from A to B. So all the service companies, operators work together. I got to, I mean, trucking routes are now, you know, computerized. Oh yeah. So that truck can go to this many well, tanks the, to pull off this much hydrocarbon to get back to the plant. You can't operationally afford to not do that. You will not be a competitive trucking company unless mm-hmm. a computer is helping design the routes. Like and you just can't do it. You will be like, Oh, I wonder why we can't make any money doing this with one guy. And there's, and there's the problem, right? I think with the rest of the oil and gas, whenever you're trying to connect everybody vertically, right? Is there are still companies out there that don't have a tracking system. There are hotshot companies that have been around for a long time that still don't have a tracking system. They get a call. You know, I mean, absolutely. Somebody calls somebody else. Well, and a perfect example too. I mean, innovative technology over the last eight years. I remember um, being out on wells and being a green hat and the only, I mean, I remember the next big job that they gave me, right, was, okay, you're going to get up on top of this sand hog, and then here's the lever that controls, you know, the conveyor that goes into, um, you know, uh, to, to go down home. It's like, okay, make sure you don't oversand the box. Well, how do I do that? Well, you have to watch it. Now you have portable profit silos, you right? Better watch it. Wow. You have, remember With having human to watch eyes? it. But human now, eyes are expensive. Right. But now you have portable profit silos that are dialed in to the blenders that are run through a program that dials it in. Uh, it takes that human error. I mean, I've been on a few jobs, thank God I wasn't one of them, that over-sanded a box on a blender and we sanded out. And you're talking, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars shut down by human error. Well, how was that fixed? Well, okay, daggum, we're, we're, you know, we're having these errors. We sanded out this many jobs. I wonder if we can get profit delivered beforehand, exactly how much we need, tie it into the blender to pump it down a hole at a high pressure and make sure that we don't sand out. Oh, you can do nobody's, it all now. Nobody, nobody's on top of a sand hog working a lever anymore. I promise you that. Well, we, we know there's nothing you can't do with the right software. So what are the, before we wrap any of this up, what's some stuff you want to be able to do that just can't just yet, but you see it coming in the future? You know, with a, is it the right hardware that goes along with your software? I mean, obviously you have, like, uh, like I was talking about Pi earlier. You yeah, know, Raspberry Pi, exactly. Five, ten dollars out of the box, yada, yada, you can add all these attachments. You guys are way ahead and you're using uh, cell phone, you know, boards. No, uh, we're, we're able to piggyback on the fact that we've built like 10 billion smartphones in the last, or sorry, um, was it, I'm forgetting the total number. It's like a... 100 million i'm trying to remember the numbers every They're single like human million. on earth right has a, we've, some sort of yeah there's like a couple smartphones for every person on the planet yeah. right um that has driven down the price of memory and screens and processors and everything else and so it's enabled us to put these devices uh where formerly people wouldn't even want to spend an extra 50 bucks a month on some well for the monitoring like, i don't want to to the point where you can give it to them for free now it costs like a dollar a month to rent a phone number and the, and the software is the as the uh, profit center instead of the device it certainly becomes a profit center you can take go to a service company and be like look not only will you be more operationally successful because you can talk to your gear and get reports from it because um, the but, computers are i mean some of them are not much bigger anymore than the sd card or the uh oh, the no, cell no, phone no, card no, that goes in them i mean it's that's a long way long way from forty five hundred dollar plasma screens back in yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> i mean that, that's what I was saying. i've seen some computers where you know the 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 chip for your phone 
and then the computer around it isn't much, you know, it's no, not, not at all. bigger. It's really all the, the interfaces to other types of sensors and stuff that, so the GPS antenna or the, the cell radio. The antenna. Apple, you know, circles that people can yeah. track by just like if a cell phone comes near it, mm-hmm. you know, sends all this data, yada, yada, yada. Well, so and that's one of those things too. A lot too. of technology there. You know, I mean, and that's, the, you know, the innovation of technology is stuff, you know, even four or five years ago, right? It's now obsolete. 5G technology. I mean, tying in. Well, that, that's what I mean. So, like, the cellular network is better. Uh, you have way cheaper access to GPS and satellite. Uh, My OnStar for f- unlimited data mm-hmm. every month, it's $25. They still have OnStar? But you, <laughs> everybody that has OnStar, if you haven't pressed that green button, spend $25 a month, and you have unlimited data Wi-Fi signal on your vehicle. Oh, that's pretty cool. And it's so mind-bending cheap that if I'm on top of a mountain without a cell phone, guess what? I have my internet and I have Wi-Fi calling on my cell phone. It's safety in your organization at this point. But look at what you can do with that. That little OnStar device can be anywhere in the world and track all of your data remotely. You don't have to have a cell phone tower for your, your whole oil and gas site. No, exactly. Well, you have to get these uh, ad hoc networks, right? So like, yeah. what I was going to say to what I would love to see more of is um, – it's already great we're able to take advantage of just how the total volume of electronics the world's been producing. So a chip, even though we've got supply chain issues, is still relatively cheap for what it can do. And I can take something the size of an index card and slap it on a surface drive and now give you a window into the entire world of what's happening there. Anything we can hook up to it. You get the did it was there any rainfall? What's the barometric pressure on the surface? What's the downhole pressure? What's the downhole temperature? Basically anything. And I can put it on fancy charts, I can give it to your accountant, I can give it to your ESG guy, your ops guy. Um, it's not only going to make your company more reliable and give you a better picture of what you're doing. It'll provide new top line revenue ability. That's the one thing I, I don't know if anybody's measured. I want you to find out if you can, how many flare stacks are running in the U S and then how much so is each one it, of them putting out? It reminds me of, this is a classic interview question, at least amongst engineers. Um, how many gallons of water flow out of the Mississippi every day? I, and, I haven't measured that, but you're, you, know, you might know. I don't think anybody's measured it. I think like the, the interesting takeaway without getting into you it. You have to then find rainfall and see, charts and exactly. all that stuff. It, mm-hmm. It's more of a question to see how somebody thinks. But basically, you can go on rainfall. You can go on the surface area of how big you think the delta is and how much would move past a minute based on the water volume. But what's cool about it is any engineer that starts like laying out their deductions kind of arrives at the same number. Yeah. Whether it's process really right has changed, right. but right. so at the end of the day, you're probably going to be able to find out how many flare stacks are exactly. in the US running. Right. So, like, okay, you have to ask questions like, why do you flare well? I want to find out. Well, yeah, well, the well, well, yeah, but with at least we'll have the data of like N- how many wells. Knight is there. very interested in finding out exactly what that number is. Oh, I have, yeah. <laughs> I love, hey, <laughs> our nerdy friends will go find numbers for us. We just have to give them the task. And I like six months from now, I'll get a text like, it's 73,000. I'm like, what is it? What are you talking about? You asked me, I spent like months like, oh, yeah, yeah. Now I Googled it. I found it. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) But I decided, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's great. So elevator pitches, where you came from. Uh, How do people get a hold of you? Because I'm going to get you guys uh, wrapped up because I want to make sure that you guys are episodical. Okay. Okay. I want lots more of this. I want to find out, you know, 
where you're at all the time and I need you to come to my office and make it more efficient. Definitely. And also uh, bring guests in. We have an extra seat here. Okay. So anytime you find a nerd that wants to like nerd out on software for wool and for gas. Sure. Well, and I think that's, bring them in. I think that's one of those where you bring your customers in here. You let them give you reviews. Oh, that'd be I think that's one of those where you and I can kind of sit to the side and go ahead and give off an episode just for a tech talk and just let the software engineers, we can just sit yes. back and we can learn as we go. Cause that's what I'm still doing. I'm taking notes right now. I'm recording this. I'll watch this over and over again and go, what did he say you could do with that? Well, definitely call Jonathan. Um, uh, you can find all our information, Insight, and that's with a Y. I insight N- with a Y. I-N-C-Y-T-E. Why do you do what you do? Make it better. Make it faster. Make exactly. it stronger with Insight. InsightEnergySolutions.com and uh, my contact information there, and I will be more than happy. We'll come hang out with you. Guys, God bless you for putting up with uh, me. We've oh, had we've had you. two or three full episodes that I just forgot to record earlier, and uh, now this one was the best one. Absolutely. And we're going to wrap it up here, and we'll see you next time. Take care. God bless. Go to oilfieldtailgate.com. Thank you, guys. Sign up to attend every home game in Norman. Be a sponsor. Be part of this. We love you. Bye. Bye, guys.